Welcome to the iSoftPole Main Course Podcast, where we get straight to the point, the meat and potatoes. Now let's dig in. Welcome to the iSoftPole Main Course Podcast with Mike Outcult. Mike is a long-standing customer service and account specialist, account management for fintech and health specialist. Uh, Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Wanted to bring Mike on because he's been in the business for some time now dealing with technology. And we're going to talk about customer success, cancellations, upsells, and, and getting people to really adopt and start using the product. So, Mike, here we go. Um, where should we start, man? Uh, uh, let's start with adoption, right? Uh, customers come to you, um, you meet them on the phone, and they want to cancel, right? Is that something that you've been, that's happened before, or, or is that things that a lot of happened, and how does adoption really play into that? I think you, there's two questions there. Is someone wants to cancel, and it's related to adoption. Am I hearing that correctly? Yeah, I mean, that does happen from time to time, I think, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and particularly in the customer success game, which is just phone-based account management, and especially in today's day and age, almost all the account management seems like it's done over the phone or it's done online. Uh, companies and SaaS companies are constantly rolling out new products, and that could be really hard to get your partners, your clients, your accounts to start using those products. Sometimes it can be really difficult for those partners to be successful using those products too. So when I worked in restaurant tech, I think we we ran into this pretty frequently where I would meet somebody for the first time and they'd already be mad, mad at me trying to cancel their account. And there were a couple of new features, um, new programs that we rolled out, a lot of things. You just never know what's going to happen when you, you launch something like that. Is it going to have a negative impact on somebody? Are they going to be upset with this? Does it disrupt a workflow, right? It's... It's something that can be a really tricky situation to navigate. I think the best thing to do is to take a step back and start asking some really, really tailored questions. Launch in with that discovery and understand what this partner, what this account, what this client is going through and why this adoption has been difficult for them. Yeah, so that's a good point. So I should back up a minute. Let's talk about customer success in general. I think a lot of these tech startups and software companies, they have their sales department, they, they've been building, 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 they finally got a bunch of people. And then customer success is probably something they need to focus on. And that's where you've specialized over the past years. And can you tell us a little bit about customer success and, and what that means and what that role is? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's account management, really, when it, when it boils down to it, and whatever title you want to put in front of there, every company is coming up with something different. And I've seen, it's been all across the board. It's been client success. It's been partner success. It's been customer success. Um, it's been customer success dash account management. And right now I hold the title of a business consultant, which is a true uh, value-based, upsell-focused, retention-focused account management position, making sure that our partners are being successful with using our software. And <laughs> a lot of companies, we change the name from customer anything or tagged on account management just so internally and externally, people didn't think we were customer support. Why does customer support get such a bad rap? I guess that's another question on there, right? Your customer support is like, oh, that's like somebody complaining or something, right? Sure. And I, I think customer support is a lot of how do I do this? How do I do that? And dealing with if you're building a bridge between your partners and a marketplace, 
um, you're also working with a lot of average people that are using your software or your service. And I think that's where customer support jumps in to answer some of those needs too. Customer success differs from that where it's more high level, uh, account focused, solutions consulting, retention, upsell, making sure that you're getting the most out of using this software. It can be really challenging conversations depending on what your software or what your system does, but it's absolutely focused on some of those strategic partners that we're working with. So when does when does customer success come in the picture? It is post-sale when this partner needs support. Right. And I think you mentioned this, you're, you're building, you're selling, you're selling, you're selling. And then all of a sudden you have a lot of accounts that are unhappy because they're not getting the support that they need. They're not adopting new features. Like you mentioned, they don't know that there's new features. They are using the wrong system for them. We've seen that all the time where a partner doesn't get value out of the system that they have, or they get so much value that they're paying too much. They could upgrade to another system and save more money while getting the same revenue or driving the same business. Got it. So customer support comes in, you think post-sale, do you think there's a need for them to like enter the relationship before there's an issue that arises? Or uh, talk to me about how you've experienced entering the relationship. Sure. And that is that is the million dollar question that everybody in customer success and phone-based account management is trying to figure out is how do you move the dial from reactive-based account management into proactive-based account management? And I've done both. Right now, I'm in more of a proactive type role. Historically, I've been in a lot more reactive type situations. Reactive-based is you're waiting for this work to come in. And I think that can be a lot of account management that you see with partners, clients that you've never worked with before, you meet them for the first time and they've already decided they want to terminate their account. Or you meet them for the first time and you you have an agenda. I want you to add this widget to your website. I want you to upgrade your system. I want to talk to you about XYZ. Um, proactive, I think we're starting these conversations to say, how are things going? Right? That's really how I kick off a ton of my conversations is let's talk. I want to understand what's working, what's not working. We have very tailored discovery that we're asking these partners to see where their pain points are, where their successes are. And that opens up a lot of avenues for conversation for upsell, for system changes, for adding new locations, all the things that we're looking to do in account management Sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes the partner is upset and they want to downgrade their system. They want to terminate. It's our job to find the best solution for them. So that's the reactive approach, right? When somebody calls in and they're like, all right, I want to cancel or I'm mad at this reason or I'm paying too much. They finally got a bill. They're not adopting. Tell me about the entry point in the proactive? Because it seems like for me, that would be like the best way to do it. So you can establish that relationship before the complaint or. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've, I've worked for a number of companies where they give you a book of business and they say, go call your accounts. I think it was 2015. I was promoted from a support team at a tech company, human resources, tech company promoted from customer support into an account management role. And they gave me 60 accounts and they said, go call your accounts. And all, all of them had been live at that point. So 
that entry point was post-sale. There are some issues with these accounts that customer support can't handle. They need a specialist to jump in and start to identify these, drive change. Um, that can be through product utilization, finding ways to get more traffic, finding ways to build enhancements with the development team. A lot of that is playing intermediary for some of these enhancements that these customers needed. But back to your point, where does this entry point happen? I think that, again, is a very, very critical question. Um, in reactive-based roles, it's here's your book of business. Talk to these accounts. Um, in super large companies that I've worked for, it's there's always too much to do, so it's always reactive. Now we're in a position at the company that I work for in healthcare tech where we are starting as soon as the onboarding process happens. And this is a brand new rollout that our team has done. As soon as the onboarding process happens, when we're implementing this partner, as soon as they sign that contract, they get introduced to their business consultant. So we're there the whole way. It can be a little bit, previously from my experience, it can be a little bit disjointed if it's, okay, the account executive sells them, implementation implements them. Three weeks later, they get introduced to me. We're backing that up two steps to whenever they sign that contract, they get to know their business consultant. So we're there the whole way. We're scheduling the meetings for implementations. We're proposing a go-live date for their system. And we're trying to enforce that to jump in and say, we think this is a great date to start using our system. We'll have everything ready by then. And then immediately from go-live, we can start to monitor their traffic, their account usage, address any concerns with integrations. Uh, there's a lot of ways that I think that proactive approach can help build that relationship faster. And that can be a critically important aspect of account management, whether you're reactive or proactive, building that relationship. So on that point, when they go, when they go from sales in, in the proactive, um, in the proactive type, right? When they go from sales to the account management, how much conversation happens between the salesman and the account management person to, to carry the conversation? Because I, I've seen a lot of times for me, it's like I have to have the same conversation with the salesman that I'm having. I have to, I have to personally, as the customer, bring up to speed the account manager. And have you seen like any, I don't know, maybe, maybe what I'm asking is what are the best practices for the salesman to carry that conversation and to inform the, the client success? Um, about the particular customer? Sure. I think the more notes, the better, right? You can hypothesize how successful somebody's going to be on your service. You don't know until they're live. Um, you want to talk about potential challenges that they're going to have. If you want to document it, uh, CRM's your best friend. Leave extensive notes so everybody knows what's going on. The account manager would be informed if you have to have implementation, take a look at the account. They know if customer support gets involved to support end users, then I think that all that information is readily available there. But talk about strengths, weaknesses, opportunities. And I think one of the most important account management questions I always ask is, why'd you sign up for the system in the first place? Right? What are your expectations? How can we be clear about what you're going to get? And how can we help you reach your goals? I think that's a good place to start. So if you were if you were an entrepreneur or and and you were starting a customer success department, is that kind of where you would build around? Like I guess 
what advice could you give to an entrepreneur or a department head in a customer success department that is like forming or fixing their customer success department? I think I would go with set some best practices, have some standard operating procedures, right? If somebody's going to terminate their account, what does that look like? Where do you start? In previous places I've worked, you have a 30-day notice to terminate your account. During that time, you can hear from an account manager up to three times, provide data and analytics on what you've been able to do with your system and, and how you think that directly impacts an ROI and the value that you bring to that partner. I think it starts with good people. Like it starts with resilient people. And these are going to be employees that are eager to learn. They want to truly understand the needs of this partner and what they're looking for as, as a part of signing up for that system. That's an interesting concept. So I, I, you kind of, uh, entrepreneurs know like who's the good salesman or, or they can hypothesize what type of personality would make a good salesman. You can, you can identify a salesman, right? What makes a good, what makes a customer success? What, like what are the genetics right? Of a, of a good customer success team. I think it's oftentimes from my experience, somebody that has been successful in a support role, someone that has done some sort of sales and someone that has a good knack for data analytics. And I think in those three categories, you have someone that's a little bit of a jack of all trades because you've done sales, you know what it's like to do support. And then you can pull data to back up these claims of value and return on investment in ways that you can help these partners be successful using your platform. So on that note, do you think that like, I hadn't considered data analytics as a part of a good customer success. I always thought about kind hearted, soft spoken, you know, but you're really drilling down into like what it takes to be in customer success and what that looks like. So we're talking about data analytics and you postured it like, how do these analytics apply to the account? Can you talk more about that? Yeah, absolutely. And backing up just a quick second to uh, challenger mentality. You know, you mentioned somebody from support might come in and be soft-spoken, willing to do anything, bend over backwards for you. And we were always very cautious about promoting and hiring people onto our customer success team from our support team for that exact reason. Because in customer success, you have to challenge your, your accounts. Not everything they say is right. You have to prove value to them. You have to dig down deep to why they're unhappy. And you have to manage a lot of difficult conversations to get there. And if somebody tells you this system's not working, well, back to data and analytics, right? Okay, why is it not working? Is it too expensive? Is the marketing aspect too expensive? Do you have integrations that don't work? Are we not delivering on what we said we would do? What were your expectations when you signed up? A lot of great discovery questions that you can start to ask, but data and analytics can be a powerful, powerful thing. Um, I worked for Restaurant Tech once upon a time, and I called this gentleman who ran a very successful restaurant in Baltimore. And he says, I got to terminate my account. And I said, why? And he said, it's too expensive. And I said, okay, uh, what part's too expensive? He said, the marketing. He said, all my diners book through Google anyway. And it's fun to lay little kind of traps along the way, 
<laughs> where if you did your homework and your research, you already know that, that that's a fib. And I asked this gentleman, I said, how do you know that? <laughs> right. He said, all my diners book through Google. I said, how do you know that? Are you sitting there with a notebook at your host stand, just marking everybody that comes in the door, if they book through Google or not, right? I said, how do you know this? And this gentleman just sighed and he goes, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was really just like, uh, I caught him off guard with this question, but I was used to doing this in this job where it was just kind of a knee jerk reaction when somebody says, um, all my business comes from here. How do you check that? Well, we pulled his business and it was like 88% came directly through the marketplace that our company provided and 12% came through Google. And it can be a little bit of combating competitors at that point too, or if somebody comes in and just whispers a bunch of sweet nothings in, in your ear, is that actually true? Right? You could believe them if you want, or I can pull this hard data with you to show you exactly what we've done and why we bring value. So that value piece is great to show sources. It's great to show um, exactly the impact that you've had. And if you start to drive patients or diners or um, applicants, when I worked in HR tech, all of a sudden, then you can start equating that to an ROI, right? Um, what did you spend the last time you went to a restaurant, Dan? hundred bucks. Okay. And when I worked in restaurant tech, we charged a dollar for you to book through this app and this marketplace. So you spend a dollar and then you go in and spend a hundred dollars at this restaurant. I mean, your ROI is great at that point. And now I work in healthcare tech. If we send a, a patient into an urgent care, we're probably looking at 150 to $200 minimum for that visit. So what would you pay to get that, that traffic in? I love, love, love talking ROIs. And there's that standard ROI where, okay, you paid X, you make X money. Let's say the service is $500 a month. Well, if you're spending $100 in a restaurant, you make up the entire cost of that system in five diners. So it's a, it's a, it's a reverse ROI where we can, or excuse me, an incremental ROI, where we can say in five diners, you cover the entire cost of your system. Everything else after that is incremental revenue. It's all money in the bank at that point. So what? So if I'm hearing you correctly, analytics is big and getting down to facts is big yep. because a lot of these customers, I assume, are, are coming in with complaints and emotion and it's not working. Always the emotional. Always emotional, right? They're frustrated with something. I mean, have you ever dealt with somebody that just says, I want to cancel, it doesn't work? And oh, yeah. and the fact of the matter is they haven't adopted. Maybe they just signed up and didn't adopt. Absolutely. And I, I use that argument all the time, right? I'd say, why aren't you using the system? And they said, it doesn't work. And I said, I looked at your last login and it was four months ago when you signed up. Yeah. You haven't logged into your software to put in the minimum amount of effort. And I, I tell everybody, I'm like, this is like, this is like renting a Corvette and just leaving it in your garage. You want to take that bad boy out for a drive and see what it can do. <laughs> You're not even putting in the minimum amount of effort to use this system or even try, right? And it's like, if you log in, if you are engaged with the uh, the volume of people that are coming through this network, you're checking the analytics. You're involved with reporting. 
You have staff members that are also using the system. I think you find some natural success with just using these platforms. Operations is a huge piece of what I've worked in the whole time. Is It's a little bit two-faceted. We always had a marketplace where we were driving business. So we're marketing your business. But then there's an operational platform that's going to make you more successful, more efficient, improve your operations. Um, it's going to help your staff. It's going to save you time through digital registrations, organizing capacity, and it's going to help make a great experience for people that are end users that are using that platform. This was an easy tech experience to log in and get a credit check, right? So on the person that never adopts, right? Is there some kind of like, I guess maybe that's where the salesmanship comes back in where you have to resell, like, look, there was originally a pain that you had. And that's why you got started in the beginning. You never adopted, but that pain was never relieved, right? Is there is there a process you go to where the guy says, all right, you're right, Mike, I never adopted. Where do you go from there? It's a challenge with new products. It's a challenge moving from a legacy system to a new system. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, that's where this salesmanship and challenger mentality comes in. But you couple that with really good discovery and understanding these pain points, right? Why haven't you used this? I've always found it's better not to beat around the bush. Just be blunt about these conversations that you're having. Why didn't you use this program? Um, What are your objectives here? Are you looking to improve a user's experience when they get a credit check? Are you looking to get more credit checks? Are you looking to save money? And then how can this feature play into that, right? It comes with this discovery aspect of finding out what's most important. Are they a good fit for this new feature, this new product? And if you you can find that through this line of questioning, then I think you can make a case that, okay, well, you need this, right? You have to develop some urgency and say, this is a good fit for exactly what you're doing. So we talked a lot about adoption, cancellations, and success, but I want to focus in on upsells and and how that relates to the success department. Can you tell me a story about, you know, when you were successful doing an upsell and and how that came about? Or maybe generally speaking, like where it comes up in the cycle as opposed to one time? Yeah, absolutely. And I I tend to use it, at least in my personal experience, a lot of data and analytics there too, right? If um, I see low-hanging fruit that the data portrays a story, then I immediately reach out to these, these partners and these customers and say, you need this and here's why, right? Um, the product fit might be better, right? The volume of business that this partner has been receiving is a bad fit for the system you're on. You could actually save money and then some on this new product. Um, I think in terms of actual upsell with what we do now, we can take a look at, okay, do you have a lot of walk-ins that you're logging here, right? Are you using this system as the system of record? Well, we have these integrations that can help speed up your operational efficiency. And that saves time for your staff. Then they can focus on providing this five-star, six-star experience for all of your patients that come into your clinics. I love it how you keep bringing it back to data analytics. When I, when I first invited you onto the podcast and I want to talk about customer success, I was thinking about 
complaints and objections. To tell you the truth, analytics never even crossed my mind. But it seems like you're going back to it over and over and over again. And the analytics, which is the facts, right? The fact of the matter is you're generating more revenue with us. The fact of the matter is you want to cancel because you haven't used it at all. I can see right here you haven't used it at all. It, there's no emotion that I'm hearing. I'm hearing, I'm hearing your, your point is data and facts. Yeah. Well, and I try to be as objective as possible. And we deal with emotional people all the time. I think something that makes a good account manager is a similar facet to a good salesman. Have a short memory. You cold call somebody and they scream at you. Oh, thanks for your time. Pick up the phone and get, get to the next one. Yeah. Right? You have a termination conversation. You never know what you're going to get. It could be someone that's upset. It could be someone that's, you know, just wants to make the best decision for their business. It could be somebody that's going out of business, right? Um, I think you take this back to the entire holistic experience of customer success at that foundation. The root is data analytics. So how do you fight emotional arguments? You don't fight emotion with emotion. You fight emotion with fact and data. And you make sure that that data is clear. It's easy to consume. It paints a clear picture about the value that you bring to the table. But you do have to couple that with this sales aspect of discovery. Find out what's important to this partner, this client. You have to be a challenger. So if they just say, this is too expensive, why? We're going to a competitor. Why? What do they offer that we don't? Right? Why are you making this move? Have you taken a look at any of the, the data that we've, we have available for you? Have you taken a, any look at any of the things that we've been, um, any of the value that we've been able to provide for your, your company? And some of it comes with a little bit of customer support there too, right? Um, I like to negotiate in my save tactics too, right? What if we could do this? Would you, would you consider staying around? What if we could fix X, Y, Z? right? There's that kind of support aspect. It's the holistic account management picture is data is at the core, but then you have sales, the challenger mentality, and some customer support built into that. Nice. So before I let you go, two topics I want to cover. Anything that, um, that you think that these software companies and entrepreneurs need to know about success that I haven't talked about? And then lastly, I want to hear about your podcast, All Things Whiskey. So give me some last tidbits about what am I missing here that I didn't ask about, and then we'll jump into that. Success is, I think it's a challenge, but when you get people that are, are good at what they do, that can, you know, that, that they can do it all, right? They can support, they can upsell, they can retain, they can get partners to drive adoption. Those are, are really quality people and support and have them become leaders to train the method to their madness and what they do and, and why they've been successful. I think a great success tip is learn some Excel tricks. They never go away. They're always going to make your life easier. If you know how to do a, a V lookup, you know how to manipulate pivot tables in Excel. These are all things that can be really, really uh, excellent tools in a customer success manager's toolbox. Um, outside of that, other tips for success. It can be a it can be a tough job, right? So, one thing we always asked when we were interviewing for our teams was, 
what do you do after you get off a hard call? You know, you call somebody, they want to terminate their account, they're screaming at you. What do you do? How do you decompress? What do you do outside of work, right? I think you need people that are level-headed. You need people that have short memories and people that are going to be motivated to, to pick up that phone and, and really make a difference for, for clients. Nice. I think those are really good tips for all of our software owners out there and entrepreneurs, business uh, department heads uh, in the success department. But let's get to it. Tell me about all things whiskey. For, for those of you who don't know and didn't recognize Mike Outcall, he is the number one whiskey taster in the world. Just won the contest uh, this year, I think, right? Um, it was end of 2021, but yes, December of 2021. So tell me about, let me give you, let me give you a plug here. Tell me about All Things Whiskey. Yeah, absolutely. All Things Whiskey is a podcast where we drink and review whiskey. That's really all there is to it. Um, we listened to a number of whiskey podcasts once upon a time when we were on a, a long road trip, and it just seemed like nobody actually talked about the whiskey. And so we wanted to have a, a fun show that was, we A, have a good time. It's a little bit educational. And then we can help people discover that next great spirit. And we don't take ourselves too seriously. We um, tend to get a little inebriated on the show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's been a passion project that we've been doing for about two years now. And at the, the root of it, I sit down with my girlfriend and my best friend, and we, we drink whiskey and talk about it. So it's been a blast. It's uh, enabled me to meet some absolutely incredible people that I never would have had the opportunity to meet out outside of this podcast. And then it got me into competitive whiskey tasting. And I always have to say tasting. It's not whiskey drinking because that sounds like you're just going to go like drink as much as you can. And I always <laughs> yeah. would urge people to drink responsibly. So I applied for this competition called Bardstown's World's Top Whiskey Taster. And I ended up winning the whole thing last year. It was a national competition. So now I hold the title of World's Top Whiskey Taster, which I think is still something I'm getting used to. But a, a pretty cool achievement. Sure, sure. And where can our listeners find um, your podcast? We do all of our social media through Instagram. That's at All Things Whiskey Podcast. But we're also on Spotify, iTunes, really anywhere you could download uh, download a podcast. And then allthingswhiskeypodcast.com. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Mike. I appreciate it. And I look forward to speaking with you again. And for our listeners, thanks for joining the iSoft Pull Main Course Podcast. Tune in to again, subscribe, like, or follow, whatever you got to do, wherever you're watching it or listening to it, and we look forward to another season. Cheers. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the main course for straight-to-the-point business insights.